At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. It is the final hour of the look ahead right here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. And for all of you out here on the West Coast, a happy Thursday to you as it is Christmas Eve Eve for everyone in the continental 48 states. And how do we wind up? trying to treat you guys this Christmas, trying to be able to make you guys some money. So here in the final hour, we're going to be taking a look at some college basketball games, see where there's some money to be made there. I'm also going to be taking a little bit of a look at the bowl games that we have for today. Wound up running through them a little bit, but wound up leaving a little bit of a stone unturned as to what we're going to be seeing with North Texas versus Miami of Ohio as well. So we're going to be diving into that, and we're just going to be trying to give you guys as many winners as humanly possible for you to be able to have a wonderful Christmas. So we are going to be starting out by taking a look at the college basketball betting board here in this segment. And we're going to be starting with 813-814 on the betting board. St. John's and Butler. Butler is finding themselves a six-point underdog in your tournament game. You're finding it at a 135.5. Now, when it comes to this line, I wound up setting it at an 11 because you are dealing with a lot of injuries when it comes to this game. You wind up having Julian Champagny wind up missing the team's last game against Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, you wound up having Chuck Harris, the top scorer for Butler. He wound up missing the team's last game when they wound up playing as well. So you've got a pair of guys that they mean a lot to their team, and they are currently dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. So this is something that you've got to be taking a little bit of note of. And then when it comes to just something ancillary pieces, the good news is for St. John's, they've got the best of them in Posh Alexander. Alexander is a guy that's able to give you 15 points, shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. So I think that he's going to be able to do a nice job in this spot. And then when you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of Butler, Aaron Thompson has been able to do a relatively solid job. He's been able to give you right around four and a half assists per game. So he's been able to do a nice job of be able to hold it down while this team has been dealing with a lot of things out there in the backcourt. So that has certainly been a little bit of an issue for this team. But when it comes down to what you're able to get out of both of these teams, you've got a battle of dueling styles. As you've got one team that is looking to really run it and gun it, force a bunch of seals. That would be St. John's. Meanwhile, you've got a Butler team that they're looking to play slow and controlled. Typically, it is a case in which you typically default a little bit to the slow team being able to really try to throttle down the game against a fast team. It's always, in my opinion, easier to slow game down than it is to speed one up. And that is reflected in my total. I want to say my total more around a 135 in this spot. So I'm looking at a little bit of an under as to what we're seeing right now as we're seeing it anywhere between 135 and a half and a 136. But when it comes to St. John's, even if they do wind up playing in this game, Without Julian Champagny, I do think that they should be in relatively solid shape to be able to get the win and cover just because this is a Butler team that I recognize that they were able to win that game against Oklahoma. But I mean, other than that, they have shown me absolutely nothing whatsoever. You don't have a single guy that's going to be active for this game, being able to give you more than five and a half rebounds per game. And even with St. John's, even though they are a little bit banged up, you still have someone like a Joel Soriano. He winds coming in from Fordham. He's been able to do a solid job on the glass for this team. I mentioned Posh Alexander as well. And this is a St. John's team that they wind up generating darn near 10 steals 
per game, and you've got a Saint or you've got a Butler team that they turn the ball over nearly 13 and a half times per game. Now the raw turnovers itself is not necessarily bad. It's made worse by the fact that this is a Butler team in which they're in the bottom 30 with regards to possessions per game. So they're looking to play slow, and they don't necessarily do a good job of being able to hold on to the ball. That is not something that is conducive to success at any level of basketball. They've also got a St. John's team that I do recognize that they want to take that loss to Pittsburgh, but they've been relatively competitive in some of their more, I guess you could call them, step-up games. Meanwhile, for Butler, they're coming off of scoring a whopping 48 points against Purdue. So, I mean, this has been a team that all year long, they've had a tough time being able to put the ball in the basket. The brand of St. John's is to be able to play very fast, play a little bit frenetically, and this is a Butler team that they're coming off of shooting 4 of 28 from three-point range in their previous game. I think that this is a relatively solid spot for St. John's. I'm willing to set them as a double-digit favorite. I'm willing to lay it here, and I want to make them this total 134. So I'm going to be taking a little bit of a look at the under as well. I guess you're going to get the Northeastern du jour special as well because I mean, we were supposed to have a lot of games on the extra board, games like St. Francis, New York versus UMass Lowell, Howard, Yale, Compensate, George Mason, along with Central Connecticut State, Rutgers, Alabama, A&M, Georgia Tech, Morgan State, Wisconsin. These are games that are all canceled. If you're seeing them on the betting board, skip by them. Save yourself a bunch of time. There's unfortunately no money to be made here. There is money to be made on Wagner versus Fairfield, though. 306-133-306-134. This is going to be a very easy one to find on the X Games board because it's the only one on the X Games board that has not been canceled. Fairfield, anywhere between a two and three point favorite in your tallest game. You're finding it in a lot of spots anywhere between a 132 and a half and a 133. And Fairfield has been a cover machine all season long. When you're taking a look at teams that have been able to do the best job of covering all season long, Fairfield is actually towards the top of the list. At last check, I believe that they were something like eight and three against the spread. So they have certainly been able to do a solid job there. Actually, nine and two. Check that. So they have been absolutely tremendous with this aspect. But Wagner is a team that they themselves have been able to rise up and have been able to do a solid job. They won earlier this season on the road against VCU. This is a team that they're really relying upon tenacious defense. But when it comes to this Wagner team as well, this has actually been a team that has shot very well from three point range. We got a guy in Alex Morales who's able to give you 16 points, six rebounds. He shoots over 40% from three-point range. He has been nothing short of superb for this Wagner team. You take a look at Wagner, and when it comes to their offensive efficiency, this has actually been a team that's been relatively solid as well, especially for a team that they're really looking to hang their hat on defense on the road. They have been a little bit less so than home because this is a team that whenever they've been playing at home, they score nearly 0.2 points better per possession, but they've also been playing a lot of their road games against very good competition as well, like Seton Hall, like VCU. So I do think that that needs to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. And then when it comes to this Fairfield team, got a pair of guys in Taj Benning along Jake Wojcik, who combined to be able to give you 21 points per game. Neither of these guys are necessarily exceptional from three-point range, but as a collective, you do have a Fairfield team that they shoot right around 35% from three-point range. So they're able to do a solid job of being able to hold it down there. And this is a Fairfield team that, they're very slow and deliberate with their style. With Wagner, they play more around a mid-tempo, right around like 170s, 180s in all of college basketball. Fairfield, they're really looking to slow things down. They're really looking to grind it out as well. As you've got a Fairfield team that they're right around 284th in the country with regards to possessions per game. So I do think that they are going to be trying to get that style. When it comes to what you're able to get out of Wagner, you don't necessarily have that one definitive big man. So that is going to give Fairfield a little bit of advantage in this game. You've got Supreme Cook a guy that has been able to give you right around eight rebounds per game, a double-figure score. So I do like what he's been able to bring to the table for the team. But 
also when it comes to Fairfield, this is a team that they rank right around 165th when it comes to points allowed on a per possession basis. They're not necessarily doing a great job on the interior. And you've got a very versatile player that has been able to lead the way with regards to facilitation for this Wagner team. It's six foot five, Will Martinez. He's at six foot five, a guy that's able to give you 11 and a half points, a little bit over four boards, shoots 50% from three point range, grinding a little bit of small sample size with that, but at least eight points in each other team's last five games. He has really come to play in with Wagner. This is a team that they wanted to deal with a little bit of a COVID pause themselves. They were actually one of the few teams that wanted to deal with one like a month or so ago. That's when COVID pauses were extremely rare in college basketball. Now they're becoming a little bit more rampant, which I think is a tad bit unfortunate, but I do think that you're going to see a Wagner team come out, do a very solid job in this game. I'm willing to take them on the money line. I do think that this is a game that is going to be relatively slow as well. I don't think that you're going to see either of these teams really run it and gun it, but I do think that when you wind up having a game like this, what you've got to be taking a look at is late game felling. Perhaps you wind up seeing this game be like five with a minute left to go, and then you wind up having the march to the free throw line, and with Wagner, they are a 78% free throw shooting team. I think that free throws is so paramount when it comes to taking a look at your handicapping in general, and I think that it really varies by the situation. If you're looking to take an underdog of like 10 points, and they shoot very badly at the free throw line, I'm going to have a little bit less trepidation than if you're looking to lay like eight points because you always know that when it comes to those like six, eight point spreads, what have you, if it winds up holding true to what the bookmakers are expecting, the fellows wind up coming and you don't want to be relying upon seven foot Mr. Mick uncoordinated junior to wind up hitting his free throws as he's like a 40% free throw shooter for the year. I'm looking at you, Hassan French, who wound up always missing free throws for St. Louis whenever I want to betting on them. But that's something that is really big when it comes to your handicap as well. I always wind up taking quite a bit of a look when it comes to turnovers as well. I think that that's very big. Not just do you wind up committing them, but it's just really the turnover battle itself. Because if you wind up only committing eight turnovers per game on offense, that's terrific. But if you only generate eight of them as well, well, that's a little bit of an issue. So you've got to be taking a look at how many more slash less turnovers per game a team winds up getting. So balancing that out is big, but when it comes to this game, you got a Wagner team that they generate right around nine and a half seals per game. So they're one of the better teams in all of college basketball when it comes to being able to get a good read on the ball there. Meanwhile, Fairfield, they're a team that they generate right around five and a half. They're a team that they ball hawk a little bit less, but with that said, Fairfield, they commit right around 13 turnovers per game. With Wagner, that's a little bit closer to 15. So that does balance itself out a little bit more, but when it comes to this Wagner team as well, they've been a little bit banged up. They've had guys like Ashton Miller, Delon Hunt, wind up missing two games this season. Meanwhile, Elijah Ford, he wound up having 10 and a half points, three and a half rebounds per game. Not necessarily a great three-point shooter, but I do think that this is a Wagner team that with their top-end talent, they are going to be able to get it done. I'm going to be taking a look at them on the money line as I wind up setting them as a one-point favorite right now, finding them as anywhere between a two- and a three-point underdog. So I do think that you've got some relatively good value there. When it comes to college basketball in general, it is going to be a little bit more bare as to what we're going to be seeing on the betting board. I wound up giving a little bit more of a in-depth handicap on this a few minutes ago, but I do think that you're going to see Weaver State be able to cover their spread of anywhere between one and one and a half points. Really one of the lone games that's currently on the betting board. So coming up next, I'm going to be giving you guys what I think the line should be in Liberty Stanford versus Northern Iowa and Wyoming because we can expect those to be on the betting board. More towards... I think it's probably going to be like 8 a.m. Eastern time, 5 a.m. Pacific. But I do think that Weaver State, with all their three-point shooters, having the best player out there on the floor, 
with regards to the backcourt and Kobe McEwen is going to be big. Got a lot of question marks when it comes to that Fresno State backcourt. So just refreshing here. I like that total under as I wound up setting the line at 135 myself, seeing it anywhere between 135 and 136. I'm willing to lay up to three points with Weaver State. Coming up next, we're going to give you guys a little bit of my handicap for what we're going to be seeing out there in Honolulu, Hawaii for the Diamond Egg Classic. That's right here on the Lookout on Beeson, Esports Bank Network. game to the net. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Sign up for a play card, debit, MasterCard, and get best paid faster than a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with PlayCard. Visit PlayCard.com today to apply. Subject to term activation and ID verification terms and costs to apply. Card issued by MetaBank NAF member FDICS. We're back here on the look at it is myself, Greg Peterson. We don't have as much to look forward to today, but we do have some NBA on the card, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Very difficult to be taking a look at the NBA right now. Right now, I would say the best play on the board, whatever you're able to get it, because there are some days in which you're not able to. Fading the LA Lakers seems to be working out relatively well right now. So that's something that I've certainly been taking a look at. And hey, they're right now a one to one and a half point favorite against the San Antonio Spurs. I cannot wind up giving out anything other than the Spurs at this point. So there is that. Certainly, we have a lot of question marks. So when it comes to injury information, health and safety protocol, and we do have a few question marks when it comes to college basketball, but fortunately, things seem to be a little bit more ironed out there as we do have the Diamond Egg Classic. And unfortunately, you're not going to be finding any numbers as of right now, as of the time that you're listening to this. I would think that right around 5 a.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. Eastern, you are going to be seeing some opening lines on this game. But that's why I wind up putting out my spreadsheet every single day on my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1. So that way, you're able to find the best value, know exactly what I like. So right when the openers are able to come out, you are able to attack them. We already looked at two games, the South Florida versus the South Florida versus Hawaii game. And then you've got Vanderbilt versus BYU. If you missed that in the second hour of the show, don't worry. That'll be up on our podcast feed at Beast and Best Bets. So have no fear there. But with that said, we've got a pair of games that we've got to dive into as of right now because these were the earlier games in the Diamondback Classic. 8-17, 8-18. This is pretty much the losers game between Liberty and Sanford. Currently, we're seeing no numbers up on this game. Actually, check that. These are the winners of these games. Northern Iowa and Wyoming were the two teams that wound up falling by the wayside. But when it comes to Liberty, I don't know why they were an underdog against Northern Iowa, and I'm going to be making them a favorite once again. I just do not like what I've seen out of the Sanford team all season long, which is why I made the number Liberty laying two. I think that Darius McGee is going to be the best peer scorer out there on the floor. This is a guy that for Liberty has been absolutely tremendous. He is chipping in there. 19 points per game, a guy that's able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range with Liberty. They are much like Virginia in that they wind up playing the pack line defense, and they do so very well. Meanwhile, you've got yourself a team on the flip side in Sanford that they commit 15 and after an overs game. They're just completely rudderless. Now, when it comes to Harrison Ingram, I like his game. 12 and a half points, six and a half rebounds, a guy that's able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range, but Sanford, they've got some deficiencies there. Meanwhile, Liberty, this is a team that after a little bit of a rough start to the season, they're now shooting above 36% from three-point range as they went 15 of 31 from distance against Northern Iowa yesterday. But 
when it comes to this Liberty team. What I think is going to be big for them is being able to do an okay job on the glass. They don't need to do a great job on the glass, and you do have a little bit of concern in that Blake Preston only wanted playing nine minutes in the team's last game as well. This is a guy that he himself doesn't necessarily play a lot of minutes, and I'm not sure why, because he's right now averaging six and a half points, five and a half rebounds per game, and he's averaging 13 and a half minutes per game. Someone tell me why he's not getting a little bit more run for this Liberty team, because I find that to be a little bit befuddling, but they're going to need it because you've got someone in Maximine Reynard who plays for Sanford. He's seven foot one. He's actually able to pop threes. It's been relatively impressive to see what he's been able to do for the team, but I mean, when it comes to Stanford as well, when it comes to this backcourt, I don't have a lot of faith in it. You've got someone in Michael O'Connor who's been able to give you three and a half assists per game. He's been able to do an okay job of being able to chip in there a little bit of scoring, but still, this is a Stanford team that they themselves only shoot right around 65% at the free throw line. I think that this is going to be a relatively tight spread. I think that this is going to be a relatively tight game. That is absolutely paramount. Now, Liberty is not necessarily like what we wound up seeing with Colorado last year where they were shooting 81% the free throw line. That certainly is not the celebrity team, but they do enough to be able to get by. They shoot right around 70% at the free throw line. Nothing great, nothing terrible. And then you've got Keegan Mattel out there in the backcourt as well. A guy that's able to give you 11 points, three boards per game. A guy that does a good job of not turning the ball over and shoots 46% from three-point range. You're going to need someone like Joseph Van Sand to be able to step up as well. He gives the team five points, four and a half rebounds per game. The big question mark that I do have with this Liberty team is being able to grab those rebounds. But at the same time, when, when it comes to what you're able to get out of this Sanford team, they're just not necessarily disciplined. They've got more talent, but it hasn't been able to mesh together as well. And when it comes to Liberty, this is a team that they've been able to pull off so many upsets year in and year out, whether it be in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago against Mississippi State, or if it just be in the regular season in general, as they wound up taking down like TCU. I think they wound up taking down Mississippi State in the regular season last year as well. They took down Missouri, but I mean, they were actually the favorite in that game. That's just how sad this Missouri team, but they're able to win all these games and they're able to do a very good job just because they always play at a very slow and deliberate style, and they're doing so once again this year. Liberty, with regards to total possessions per game, 343rd in all of college basketball, and this is not a Sanford team that's looking to gun it either. 257th or 252nd in the country, so you've got a pair of teams that are looking to play very slow. I do think that you wind up getting late-game felling. Without the late-game felling, I'd be setting this out a little bit lower, but I wound up settling in on a total of 126. I do think that a Liberty team that shoots over 35% from three, they're going to be able to do a solid job against the Sanford team that they just haven't necessarily been able to show a lot with regards to their defense as well. So I do think that Liberty should be able to control this game. And I think that they wind up winning it outright. And then the other game that we're going to be taking a look at here is going to be 8-19-8-20 Wyoming versus Northern Iowa. I want to make it Northern Iowa a five and a half point underdog. It's a Northern Iowa team that has actually been dealing with a lot of injuries. Good news is Austin Fife, a guy that is six foot nine and shooting over 50% from three point range. He wound up returning to the team in their game a day ago. So that is very good news for this team. He does a good job of being able to help space the floor and just take a little bit of pressure off their top scorer in A.J. Green. A.J. Green is a walking bucket for this team. He's able to shoot 40% from three-point range, a guy that has been able to average right around 17 points per game. And you also do have a little bit more support for this team, a big piece for this team, Noah Carter. He's been able to give the team right around 10.5 points, three rebounds per game. So he's going to be a big piece. He wound up scoring 20 points in the game that we wound up seeing yesterday. And Bowen Bourne being back in there helps, but he just has not been himself this year. 
This is someone that as a freshman wound up averaging double figures last year. He's down to three and a half points per game. I recognize that he's been a little bit injured, but this guy has been pretty much glued to the bench as he's been shooting 25% from three-point range. That's a big reason why Northern Iowa has not been able to live up to preseason expectations. And Trey Barrow, the top rebounder for Northern Iowa, did not wind up playing against Liberty, and his status for this game is very much in question. So if he does wind up playing, you might not wind up seeing him at 100% as well. And then when it comes to Wyoming, Hunter Maldonado is just a textbook matrix. He is a guy that does a little bit of everything. He's going to give you 16 points, like five rebounds, five assists, a block, a steal. I mean, the guy is a statue sufferer. But then, Graham Ike, how about what this guy has been able to do for this Wyoming team? 19 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds. This is a Wyoming team that they're relatively efficient, both on offense and defense. Not a team that they themselves are looking to play necessarily too up tempo. They're right around 285th in the country with regards to possessions per game. But for Northern Iowa, I mean, it's very strange that they're actually the more up-tempo team in this game. I have no idea why they've been trying to pump up their tempo. 250 doesn't sound impressive, but I still remember in the good old heydays of Northern Iowa, this is a team that, with regards to when it was 353 D1 teams, they were more like 340, 335, 336. Now they've been looking to pump up the tempo, and I have no idea why. It has led to no success whatsoever for this team. Got a Wyoming team that they do a tremendous job of not turning the ball over. They're very deliberate in their play, and they're very good at it. They commit fewer than 10 turnovers per game that is in the top 15 in all of college basketball. you got a Wyoming team that they can be a little bit hit or miss from three-point range, but with that said, overall for this season, they've still been able to do a relatively solid job shooting about 32-33% from three-point range. I do think that they're going to be looking to try to get the ball inside because you don't necessarily have a lot of interior defense when it comes to Northern Iowa as well. So I think that that is going to be very big for this Wyoming team in this spot. And when it comes to Northern Iowa, this is just a team that I've been badly disappointed by this season. I thought that they would be able to rise up a little bit when it comes to the Missouri Valley Conference. I personally had them fourth coming into the season, but I do think that Jeff Linder is also being able to form himself as one of the better coaches in all of college basketball as well. And when it comes to Wyoming, you've got to figure that someone like Xavier Ducell is able to shoot 40% from three-point range is going to be able to have himself a big game in this one. This is a Northern Iowa team that they themselves, you take a look at them when it comes to turning the ball over, and it certainly has been what you expected there either. 12 turnovers per game is still not bad, but at the same time, it has been rising a little bit more from past seasons. And what else is big for this Northern Iowa team? You don't have a single guy giving you more than two and a half assists per game. So you can tell that they're very rudderless. They're a team that they could really use Trey Barrow back out there on the floor because without him, Tawan Pickford is probably going to be seeing more minutes. He actually led the team in rebounds as a freshman at like six foot four. And ever since that, he's just had a progressive slide with regards to his numbers. So I do think that you've got some relatively solid value here when it comes to Wyoming if you wind up seeing them on a tighter line because I wound up saying this as a five and a half point line with Wyoming. With Northern Iowa, I've had to adjust a little bit based on their tempo. So I did wind up saying this total 134 and a half as well. This is a game which I could wind up seeing coming down to Lake Game following Wyoming. They're very good at the free throw line. They shoot right around 73% at the free throw line, but bigger than that, each other top two scores are able to do a very solid job there as well. Northern Iowa, they themselves shoot right around 73% at the free throw line. So that's my take, take on those two games. Coming up next, we've got to go bowling as we're going to be taking a look at the college football action that we're going to be seeing on Thursday and a little bit more moving forward as well. That's next right here on The Lookout on VEASAN, Esports Bank Network. This is The Look Ahead on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 
save 50% off of VEASAN all access subscription for the rest of the football season with our big game special. You'll be able to get access to our in-depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every single game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits, showing you where the money is going for every game. Sign up today and you'll be getting our daily best bets emails, weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new college bowl betting guide, taking a look at every single bowl game. You're able to get this for $39 only at vcin.com slash subscribe. As we're back here on the look at it is myself, Greg Peterson. If you're listening to me live, well, coming up next, you're going to get three more hours of me, which I always think that that's a good thing. There might be some people that agree. There might be some people that disagree, but I think that that's actually relatively solid if you're looking at the replay. So you're listening to this at 3.30 a.m. Pacific. That would be 6.30 a.m. Eastern. Well, coming up next, it is going to be Follow the Money, Mitch and Polly. They are on vacation, but with that said, they are going to be able to hold it down with, I believe, Stormy Bond and Tony along with Tim Murray. So I think that that's the first time that we're going to be seeing that duo ever since we wound up seeing the college basketball special leading up to the 2020-21 season where I said, fade the heck out of Kentucky and Duke. So there's going to be some good information given out there. I can assure you of that. It's going to be absolutely tremendous. What else is absolutely tremendous is that We've got bowl season as well. I want to take a little bit of a look at these in the first hour. I do like Central Florida on the money line. We're going to be talking about that game a little bit more in the final segment, but got to be hitting on this Miami versus North Texas game. That's out there in Frisco, Texas. Right now, Miami, Ohio, right around a two and a half to a three-point underdog. Your total is anywhere between 54 and a half and 55, and I think that this is a really bad matchup for Miami of Ohio as I want to take North Texas on the money line for one. You got to be taking a look at just the fact that North Texas is going to be able to play in their home state. I think that that's really going to be able to help out with just being able to have some fans in the stands for this game. A little bit more familiarity for North Texas. Meanwhile, you've got a MAC conference that in general just does not look good this full season. I think that it is one of these things which you don't want to be making a ton out of that. But I think that it's worth at the very least noting. And when it comes to this Miami of Ohio team, you certainly have had Mr. Gabbert do a good job. 14 touchdowns to six interceptions. So he's been able to do a solid job of being able to move the ball through the air. But you do take a look at this Miami of Ohio team, and you really don't have that one feature back for this team. You've been able to have a bunch of guys wind up mixing and matching. Kevin Davis has from time to time been able to give you some moments of bright brightness. You've also got Keon Mosey, who has been able to rack up right around, I would say, about four yards per carry. He's been a little bit more of a bell cow get three yards in a cloud of dust sort of guy, but he wanted having just four carries in that championship game against Kent State as well. This is not a team that they're really looking to run the ball too much, which I do find to be very intriguing. And then you take a look at the flip side and what you've been able to get out of this North Texas team. They are looking to run, run, run. When it comes to Miami of Ohio, they actually do a solid job of being able to cut off teams through the air, but on the ground, they're giving up right around 151 yards per game in North Texas. Their specialty running the ball. They get right around 232 or 242 yards per game via the ground. And the guy that is really going to be shining in this game, DeAndre Torrey. He's been able to give the team a little bit over 1,200 yards this season. You're not going to get a lot out of this North Texas pass team. But with that said, when it comes to North Texas, this is a team that they actually do a good job of being able to get sacks. As this is a team that throughout the season, they've been averaging right around three sacks per game. So they do a solid job there. You've got a guy in Grayson Murphy, who I think is a little bit underrated on the defensive side. Seven to sacks this season. He was able to do a solid job for the North Texas team week in and week out. Meanwhile, you got a Miami of Ohio defense that I'll say it's probably the best one out there in the MAC, but at the same time, the MAC not necessarily known for its defense. It's like being the best out of a whole bunch of duds. So 
it's just a case in which I take a look at North Texas. I think that you've got some relatively good value here. I'm going to be taking a look at them on the money line. And I do think that it is very important to be taking a look at these games when it comes to just trying to gauge opt-outs, trying to gauge COVID-19 as well. Fortunately, in this game, I'm not seeing too many of them. You want to be checking back in the AM, but that certainly is a big consideration because something that I wanted giving out about a week or two ago when it comes to the Greg Peterson experience, which you're able to find wherever you we are able to find right here on VEASAN. So wherever you wind up downloading, listening, what have you, you're also able to find it by the VEASAN Best Bets podcast pretty much the same time as this show is, only it's on. If you're out there on the East Coast Saturday and Sunday, it starts Friday and Saturday out there on the West Coast. 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific on Friday and Saturday. But with Alabama, they're right now dealing with a whole bunch of coaches that are currently in COVID-19 protocol. You may recall in the first hour of the show, we wound up talking to Adam Burke. Does an absolutely terrific job over here at Beeson. And I agree with him in that coaching, it means a lot more when it comes to college football rather than the NFL because we're seeing it with the NFL. Guys like Robert Salah along with Sean Payton, they're dealing with COVID-19. And they're dealing with that. But you take a look at what you're dealing with with regards to Alabama as well. And it's pretty bad as you've got Doug Marone and Bill O'Brien testing positive for COVID. And that's really big because we know that with Nick Saban, he always is all about just being able to have his team as prepared as humanly possible. And you did wind up seeing the college football playoff committee say that a champion can be crowned due to a COVID-related forfeit, which... Uh, I I can't agree with that personally, but I mean, with that said, you have to take that into consideration with your bets. Like if you want to take it to Alabama to be able to win the national championship, in my opinion, right now, you've got a halfway decent ticket, but I mean, if they wind up having a forfeit, which you just, you hope that that's not the case. I mean, let's just call it what it is. That would be one of the worst things ever, in my opinion. But if that does wind up being the case, I mean, it could be something that you do wind up having impact bets, which you don't want to have it pay that way, but it is. You want to be seeing if more players wind up trusting positive for COVID-19 as well, because if they actually do at this time, there's a chance that they, uh, I don't think that they would be able to play in the college football playoff, but I feel like the regulations, all the health and safety protocols, they seem to be changing by the day. You wind up having the playoff committee release that statement yesterday. They might wind up releasing a statement today that says that, you know what, we're going to make sure everyone's all free. And, oh, that's just, it's just a lot to wind up taking in right now because it feels like it's a moving target. We saw this with the NFL, the fact that they wound up after there were a few games postponed, really laxing their health and safety protocols. I feel like you might wind up seeing it with the NCAA as well because on the college basketball front, you're seeing a whole bunch of games being postponed. You're seeing a couple forfeits as well. So it's just something in which it's not fun to be dealing with the save least, but it's something that you've got to be t- taking note of as well because right now when it comes down to it, I felt very confident laying 13 and a half with Alabama. I still feel relatively good, but what happens if the star players of Alabama I am testing positive for COVID-19 and Cincinnati winds up having a relatively clean bill of health. Then you do wind up having yourself a very intriguing spot there. So I do think that that is something that is very important to take note of just because I do think that this is going to be a murky situation to say the least. So I still like Alabama laying 13 and a half in this game, but it's just one of those keep note of it, sort of put a bookmarker in it and just continue to check back day in and day out to make sure that Alabama is going to be having their full complement of players. And well, if you want to betting on the tax Slayer Gator Bowl as well, 
Right now, your bet is void because you've got Wake Forest versus To Be Determined. This is another thing that we talked about with Adam a little bit earlier on in the show as well. It looks like it's probably going to be Rutgers, and if it is going to be Rutgers, I think that they're going to be just all out of whack as well because you've got a Rutgers team that they haven't necessarily been informed, and I think that that is something that you want to be noting as well because the biggest thing when it comes to these COVID-19-related just teams being out of the fold in this case, but more or less players, is that you've got a couple guys that may not be in full rhythm trying to be out there. I think that that's a big impact as well. When it comes to college bowl handicapping, you got to take a little bit of a further look than the stats. A big reason why they do like North Texas today is because they're playing in the great state of Texas and because you do wind up having a lot of guys that are going to be out, out there. You really don't have any opt-outs or anything like that. So I do think that you're in good footing from that aspect. And then you just take a look at when it comes to betting on these bowls as well as to just how these teams wind up matching up with one another because they always have the saying matchup makes matchups make fight when it comes to boxing. And I do think that that's going to be holding very true with a lot of these as well. You wind up having these teams come in from various conferences and it just makes things very, very harebrained. Like you take a look at a game like Central Michigan versus Boise State. I know that our man Adam was taking a look at being able to fade a lot of these MAC teams. And I take a look at this matchup, and you've got a Boise State team that they do a very good job of being able to bottle up the aerial attack. Meanwhile, Central Michigan, they have really been trying to move the ball exclusively through the air this year with Daniel Richardson being able to do a great job in that aspect. But you did wind up seeing his completion percentage wind up being a little bit teeter totterish towards the back half of the season. A Central Michigan team that they do wind up coming in with quite a bit of momentum, but when I take a look at this spot, I want absolutely no part of Central Michigan at this point. I would be looking to lay the eight when it comes to Boise State. That is going to be in the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, so that's obviously very fascinating, but you take a look at this Boise State team. I think that they do a solid job on defense. We've got a Central Michigan team that, let's call it what it is, they're not necessarily playing the world's greatest defense. Actually, we're able to emerge a little bit towards the back half of the season, but Keep in mind, that was against Eastern Michigan and Ball State that they were able to do a good job of holding up prior to that. Things have been very much a struggle, and Hayden Bachmeyer, I think, would be able to just completely shred up the Central Michigan secondary that certainly has not been good all season long. So I do take a look at that spot. I think that it's a relatively good one. And in the final segment, we're going to be trying to take a look at as many good spots as humanly possible for this Thursday of betting. That is coming up next right here on The Look At on VSIN, the Esports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to be able to catch the current betting splits data. This feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match up with the public opinion. Data is available for for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here to be able to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game right at VSIN.com. As it is the look ahead with myself, Greg Peterson. If you are listening live, well, you get three hours of me coming up next. If you're listening to the replay, that would be at 3.45 a.m. Pacific, 6.45 a.m. Eastern. Well, follow the money is going to be coming up next. Tim Murray, Stormy Bonantoni, they've got you locked and loaded for three hours. It looks like Paul Stone is going to be 
joining them. He does a great job of handicapping college football. You're going to have Mike Palm on there. Andrew Brandt does a terrific job, actually. He's to be in the front office of the Green Bay Packers. And then good old Jaws, Ron Jaworski. So we've got a lot there. And here in the final segment, I've got to give you guys what I like with regards to everything that we've got for Thursday. I think it's going to be intriguing what we wind up getting out of this George Mason versus Wisconsin game because I don't want to brighten this up for the New York Post. Anything above five and a half is going to be a take for me on George Mason. And we've seen them be a relatively sizable underdogs in a lot of these spots in which they do wind up playing against these power competition teams. When it comes to George Mason, I wind up saying the line five and a half and a total of 127 and a half. When it comes to George Mason, I think that they're going to be able to do a good job against the Wisconsin team that has a collective shoots 29.4% from three-point range. Wisconsin has been headlined by Johnny Davis. And Johnny Davis, when it comes to most valuable players to their respective teams, has to be towards the top of the list because you wind up seeing the two games that you wind up not playing in. They wind up losing outright to Providence, and they won by three points against Nichols, a team that wound up getting blasted on the road against Oregon State a couple days ago. So you can tell what he means to this team. He's been able to get the team 20 and a half points right around five boards, five assists, shoots in the high 30s from three-point range. And then you take a look at Wisconsin and their overall silent. You know what you're going to get. This is a team that they don't turn the ball over very often, right around nine turnovers a game. One of the top teams at all of college basketball in that aspect. George Mason obviously does turn the ball over a little bit more, but when it comes to George Mason, what they do a good job of, rebound rate. They're right around 65th in the country with this aspect. Wisconsin, they're more around 185th. Wisconsin has actually grabbed fewer rebounds than their opponents, so that is a little bit concerning. You've got to expect guys like Tyler Wall along with even someone like a, even someone like, you even go down the list like Chucky Upper. He's been able to do an okay job when it comes to being able to help this team out in a wide variety of ways, but when it comes to this Wisconsin team, they're a little bit soft on the interior, so I think that that's going to be a massive issue for them. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of Devon Cooper. When it comes to George Mason, he's been able to do a good job of being able to dish out right around four and a half to five assists. He, along with Xavier Johnson, have been able to do a great job with that aspect with Cooper. He winds up coming in from more at state, the team that wanted making the NCAA tournament last year, and he's been able to get the team 12 points per game. And then Josh Oduru has been able to do a nice job down low. 17 points, seven boards, a guy that's able to pop threes at six foot eight. So I think that Wisconsin certainly going to have their hands full. And interesting with this game in that this was a game that was not regularly scheduled. You wound up having George Mason have a game for compensate wind up getting canceled. Wisconsin was supposed to play against Morgan State. That game wound up getting canceled as well. So they wound up coming together and decided, you know what? Let's wind up getting something all set up. So we are all the better for it. And I think that George Mason is going to be in a little bit of a motivational spot as a result, just because they wind up getting this game at the last minute. They want to try to really make a statement as the first year under head coach Kim English. And I think that he's actually doing a very good job when it comes to the scene, because you've got a George Mason team that they look relatively dialed in with being disciplined. They did wind up taking a few losses in the multi-team event that took place in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the Sanford Pentagon. But I think that team was just gassed. I mean, they were on the road for so many days. They had to go from east to what is pretty much a mountainous time zone. So I thought that that just was a really bad spot for them. And generally, they wind up just not looking so stellar in those games. But I think that that was a little bit of an outlier. I think that this true George Mesa team is very solid. And when it comes to Wisconsin, you just don't necessarily have a lot of depth with this team as well. You were expecting a little bit more out of the transfers. They haven't necessarily been able to come to the forefront. Now, Brad Davidson does give you 15 and a half points per game, but I think that 
five and a half is a relatively fair line. And I think that we're probably going to be getting something much north of that. So I think that that's going to be an intriguing one when it comes to the South Florida versus Hawaii game that we're going to be seeing in the Diamond Classic. I think that Hawaii should be a three and a half point favorite. We're not going to be seeing any numbers until the AM pop up because when it comes to college basketball, when it comes to back-to-backs with these tournaments like the Diamond Egg Classic, you're able to recall from about a month or so ago, things like the Maui Invitational, list goes on and on. You don't wind up seeing these until the AM in case if you wind up seeing a injury wind up occurring. And typically, much like myself, bookmakers like to sit down, take a look at these games, try to identify, okay, maybe this team isn't necessarily as good as we thought coming in, or wow, this team wound up blowing them out. Maybe we need to adjust them a little bit in our power rankings as well. But with South Florida versus Hawaii, this is going to be an intriguing game because I wound up setting the total at a 123 and a half. And what you really want to note with these two teams is that you've got an Hawaii team that has been about a mid-tempo team, right around 200th in the country. South Florida is looking to slow this game down to a crawl. This is a team that they rank in the bottom 35 in all of college basketball when it comes to possessions per game. They entered into yesterday 337th. That wound up holding the form as they wound up playing a low-scoring slobber knocker against BYU in that game. You didn't wind up having the two teams wind up getting to 100 in that game. And you just take a look at the South Florida team. They have been absolutely masterful to the under because they both do a top 50 job of being able to guard the three-point arc. And they themselves are shooting right in the neighborhood of about 24% from three-point range. They have played every one of their games to the under. I thought that they wound up having it over in there. Nope, they played every one of their games to the under. The only other team that has played every one of their games to the under thus far this year, that'd be Eastern Illinois. And this Eastern Illinois team has just been a dump when it comes to their offense, their defense. I mean, it has really not been good for them in general. By the way, LSU, they're actually playing two overs to 10 unders this year. So if you've yet to be taking a look at LSU unders, those have been very profitable for you as well. But I think that that is going to be something that is really intriguing. And then you take a look at what you're going to be able to get in the other game that's going to be towards the nightcap of the Diamond Egg Classic. I think that you've got a good one between BYU and Vanderbilt. I want to say my total in this game of a 132.5, and, and I made BYU an 8.5-point favorite when it comes to BYU. This team has been very good at being able to guard the three-point arc. They rank in the top 15 in all of college basketball. And this is a Vanderbilt team that they've been dealing with a whole bunch of injuries as of right now because you've got Liam Robbins along with Rodney Chapman, two guys that you thought were going to be starters for the team. They have not been in the fold for them, so that has been a big, giant issue. You take a look at this BYU team, and they've been relatively solid with regards to being able to hold up on defense. As a result, you have seen them be right around 50-50 with regards to overs and unders, but I do think that this is going to be a BYU team that they're going to be able to exert their force on defense. And then when it comes to the offense, you want to be taking note of Alex Barcelo, a guy that entered in yesterday shooting 50% from three, and it's not like it's a fluky 50% from three. Last year, he wound up shooting right around 47 to 48% from three-point range and did so two years ago as well. Gideon George does a good job down low. And for Vanderbilt, you've really got four guys that give you north of seven points per game. And then after that, you really don't have much more depth. So I do think that BYU is going to be able to beat them death by a thousand cuts. I think that the bench play is going to be very important in this game. So wound up making BYU an eight and a half point favorite. And with the total made this right around a 132 and a half myself. So we're going to be taking a look at that. I wound up giving out a little bit earlier the fact that I like Wagner on the money line against Fairfield. You've got a Wagner team that the top end talent with guys like Alex Morales, Will Martinez being able to combine for right in the neighborhood about 28 points per game. Both guys shoot 40 plus percent from three point range. That is going to be able to help them win the day. And then when it comes to the NBA, I've really got one thing right now. 
fade the Los Angeles Lakers. I want doing a nice big giant manifesto in the second hour as to why this team should not be 11 to 1 to win the title at DraftKings. This is a team that's very old against the spread. They've been bad. They have just not provided you any value whatsoever. This is a San Antonio Spurs team, by the way, that whenever Jakob Ertl has been out there, they've been able to do a very solid job of being able to cover their games. He has been very solid with regards to being able to give you right around nine and a half rebounds per game. So I think that this is a San Antonio Spurs team that is going to be able to win this game outright against the Lakers. You find the Lakers right around a one to one and a half point favorite. So I like that. And then when it comes to the bowl games, wound up running through it in the last segment. I do like North Texas to be able to win on the money line. I think that their rush game is going to be able to take it to a Miami of Ohio team that has been relatively solid on defense. But if there is a kryptonite that they have, it is on the ground. North Texas does a great job racking up right around 240 yards per game on the ground. And they are going to be playing in their home state. So I think that that's important. And then when you take a look at the other bowl game, you've got Central Florida against Florida. Florida is a seven-point favorite total. It's 55 and a half. I don't think that you're going to need the points. I'm taking a look at Central Florida right around plus 230, plus 220-ish on the money line. Central Florida is going to be playing against a Florida team that has just been all sorts of fraudulent at the quarterback spot. I mean, whoever they've thrown out there, it has been a bad situation. Both guys are able to give you a little bit of versatility. you got to think that it's going to be probably Emory Jones in this game, but even if it's not him, even if they wind up going to the understudies, I don't have any faith whatsoever in a Florida. Meanwhile, Central Florida, this is a team that they really been, they really found their offensive pop towards the back half of the season. I think that they're going to take it to Big Brother. I think that this is a big time just prove it game for Central Florida. I think that they win it on the money line and we always prove it here on VSIN. We always deliver great content. If you're listening live, you're going to be hearing me for another three hours. If you're listening to the replay, follow the money is next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This is... This is... This is... 